Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max. And listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. From WBEZ Chicago, this is Nerdette. I'm Trisha Bobita. And I am Greta Johnson. And this week's guest is Margaret Atwood. Can we just take a minute and just, like, breathe in that notion? Because that's pretty exciting. (laughs) It's happening. (laughs) Margaret Atwood is the author of most of my and probably most of your, Mm -hmm. dear listener, most of your favorite books. Everything from history to speculative fiction to there was a comic book that was really amazing. Yeah, man, a bunch of poetry, just like all the good things. She was actually on Nerdette many, many moons ago, back in 2014. But a lot has happened for Margaret Atwood and her work since then. Yes, just in the last year, two of her books have been adapted into interweb series. We had Handmaid's Tale on Hulu, which came out earlier this year, and Alias Grace, which is a mini series that just came out on Netflix a couple weeks ago. I think of all the things that have been written about me. That I am an inhuman female demon. That I am an innocent victim of a blackguard forced against my will and in danger of my own life. That I am a good girl with a pliable nature and no harm is told of me. That I am cunning and devious. That I am soft in the head and little better than an idiot. And I wonder, how can I be all these different things at once? That's a clip from the Netflix show Alias Grace, which is based on the book by the same name, written by our guest Margaret Atwood. We talked with Margaret about the show's feminist themes and how both of the recent adaptations of her work have been so eerily timely in this Me Too moment. Margaret Atwood, welcome back to Nerdette. I'm happy to be here. So Alias Grace is a novel based on the true story of Grace Marks, who was a housekeeper who was convicted of murdering the homeowner and another housekeeper. She spent more than two decades in prison before being pardoned. There's lots of questions about what actually happened during this killing and how much she was really involved. It's interesting because, you know, in some ways it's so different from Handmaid's Tale, which is dystopian and futuristic and eerie, but they're also both so profoundly affecting in terms of being stories about, I don't know, I mean, my first inclination is to call them difficult women, but in reality, they're not actually even difficult. They're just women who are asking to be able to exist in the world and make choices that affect them positively. Yeah, they're women in difficult situations. Yeah. Rather than being difficult women. So difficult worlds and uh, not a good place in that difficult world. So in in uh, The Handmaid's Tale, there aren't very many good places right. <laughs> if you're female. In Alias Grace, you could be, for instance, higher up the ladder. You could be uh, the owner of a large house, such as the one that Grace first works in. Uh, so you could be that person. But by and large, if you were a young 
female Irish immigrant in the Canada of the 1840s, you were not on top of the social ladder. Yeah, it was interesting. I think in both cases of watching these adaptations of your work, I read both Handmaid's Tale and Alias Grace probably about 15 years ago in my in my late teens. At the time when I read them, I was like, oh, these are like fun, interesting books. Right. But and I think partly it is the bringing of these notions to the screen. But in both cases, I ended up with such a tangible sense of just like rage inside me where, you know, like, like it wasn't as fun to engage with these stories as it was when I was younger, because it was just like, no, man, like this is this is up. Well, the world has changed. You, you may have noticed. <laughs> Whatever do you mean, Margaret? Whatever do I mean? <laughs> Whatever do I mean is that there they were filming The Handmaid's Tale. They started in August or so, or September. Uh, and they went along filming it, and then it was November the 9th, and everybody woke up on November the 9th and realized that although the show itself had not changed, they didn't rewrite anything, um, the frame around it was going to be very different. And that is indeed how it was received. So go to an alternate future in which Hillary Clinton had won the election, you would have viewed that show quite differently. You would have showed it like, wow, look what we just missed having. Uh, Whereas now people were viewing it like, oh, oh, look, look what we're maybe about to have and are already having some of. As for Alias Grace, that show has been 20 years in the making, but it happened to hit right at the time of the Harvey Weinstein moment. So somebody said, told me that she had read this book. In fact, one of the actresses said, well, I read that book back in the 90s, and I thought, well, yeah, that might have been then, but, but we're over that now. We're not doing that kind of mm. thing anymore. Apparently not so. You call it a Weinstein moment. Do you think it's just going to last a moment? No, I think it's going to last more than a moment. Um, but how much more than a moment? It remains to be seen. However, I, I think it will be a point of reference for some time. What do we do to make sure it's not just a moment? Whoa. <laughs> I've been thinking about this a lot, as I'm sure you probably have, too. Yeah. What do we do to make sure it's not just a moment? Oh, boy. I think the answer to that is probably quite multiple. Mm-hmm. But but let us let us say that that not all male people behave this way. Right. So it might be interesting to talk to some of the male people who do not behave this way and find out what their home was like, because I think you learn this stuff pretty early, Hmm. Um, what their home was like, what their uh, father's attitude towards their mother was like, uh, what sort of school they went to and what, people were like at that school Uh, I think you just you absorb your ideas of how you can or should treat other people I think you absorb those ideas pretty early absolutely it seems to me like the thing that I've been thinking about a lot is 
just speaking up more when people do things to me that are inappropriate. You know, I think I think women are and I don't have any intention of putting the burden on women in this situation. But I do think, you know, I personally have been socialized to smile and laugh when I'm made uncomfortable by men, as opposed to saying, you know, actually, that's really inappropriate. And you shouldn't say that to me. Yeah. But of course, people want other people to like them. Right. <laughs> so what is the price of being liked? Yeah. How, how high is that price? And do you care? How much should you care? Um, the problem is, of course, if you have a job and you live in the world of work, it, it's sort of important if people like you. They did a study some years ago in which they asked a receptionist, you know, the person who greets you when you come into mm-hmm. the office, just to do everything the way she ordinarily did, but just not smile. Whoa. <laughs> How did that go? <laughs> well, that got, you know, why is she so hostile? Why is she angry? Why is she <laughs> like that? I wonder, you are an incredibly accomplished writer and thinker and human of our time. How much do you think about being liked these days? Like, is that a priority for you? No. <laughs> I'm too old. <laughs> when do you remember a moment when that changed in your life? When I was about nine. <laughs> <laughs> you either figure it out or you don't. So I, I think it it helped to have grown up in the woods. Hmm. So I wasn't properly socialized. I had a very lovely conversation with a woman of about thirty-five recently. And she said, my family was from Korea. I was the only, quotes, different person at my British-style school in Vancouver. And I was having a hard time when I was 11, 12. And I wanted people to like me with mixed results, as you might imagine. Mm -hmm. And then I read Cat's Eye, which is my novel about... The fact that little girls are not sugar and spice and <laughs> everything nice, as we all remember they're not. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, she said, I read Cat's Eye, and, and I, I realized that I didn't have to care what these people thought of me, that I was just going to do what I wanted. And I did. And at that time, when I was 12, my mother gave me a piece of paper, and she said, write down four things that you would like to do before you die and put it in an envelope. And 10 years later, open the envelope and read what you have written. Clever mother. She was telling the girl that she was going to be there 10 years later. Yeah, wow. So what did she write? Do you Uh, remember? So she, and then she said, so I did that and, and I opened it up 10 years later and one of the four things I'd written on that paper was I wanted to meet you. And now I've done it. Oh, my gosh. What's it like to hear stuff like that from women of so many different ages at this time? Well, that is very touching because, of course, every time you write a book, you're throwing it out into the great unknown. Mm -hmm. You do not know who will be reading it. And some of the people who will read it are not going to like it. If everybody likes it, you're probably in trouble. (laughs) Yep, that's when you have to be skeptical, right? (laughs) Yes. If everyone says it's great. (laughs) If everyone says it's great, then 
You have failed to offend the people that you ought to have offended. <laughs> uh, so, so it's like that. But once in a while, somebody finds that book, and it is the book that they need in their life right then. But you yourself, the writer, you rarely know when that has happened. Has that changed a little bit with social media, though? I mean, you're pretty active on Twitter. You probably get fawning maybe as uh, much as angry people on the interwebs? Oh, yeah, probably more. Good. Um, yeah, the angry people go elsewhere to be angry at me because they don't get much results <laughs> from me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry you feel like that. <laughs> Have an aspirin. <laughs> So there was a moment shortly after Handmaid's Tale came out where several of the actresses were doing PR for the show. I believe it was at Tribeca Film Festival. And they seemed really cautious to say that Handmaid's Tale was not a feminist show. Okay. I think they meant to say that it was not only a feminist show. Okay. Okay. So so that's what they meant to say. Uh, But I'm the writer in this bunch. And I wasn't there. Right, right. (laughs) I think you meant to say not only. Yeah, 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 that's what I meant. (laughs) You missed Uh, a word in there. That is what they meant. So, yeah, everybody went hoo-ha, hoo-ha, but that that is, in fact, what they meant. And what they meant was, we're not letting you off the hook, male person who thinks you're not a feminist. Right, right. I mean, and I think that is the tricky part about feminism, right, is... Getting everyone on board and helping men understand that they can be feminists, too. You don't want it to be a closed circle. Yeah. Uh, And you also don't want it to be limited to this definition or that definition, Uh, because there are a lot of definitions. It's like, okay, Christian, what does that mean? Mm -hmm. Does it mean the Pope? Um, Does it mean a snake-handling cult somewhere in the South? What are we talking about here? Mm Mm-hmm. And there are very, very many varieties of things that people might put under that umbrella. And that umbrella should have written on the outside of it, women are people. Once you've got to women are people, you're over the first hurdle. (laughs) Yeah, that seems like a pretty easy to approach definition. Like, I don't, who can argue with that? I guess people. Some people have argued with it. Uh, so it's like women's rights are human rights, mm-hmm. but also the reverse. Human rights are also women's rights. So you can't have women's rights unless you've got human rights. And that's a good beginning point for the people who are not women. We will support your human rights because we feel included in that as humans. Just ahead, we ask Margaret how her feminism has changed since we spoke with her last. And then, for something completely different, we're going to unpack one of her nerd obsessions, the movie Blade Runner. Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, 
crew and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max and listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. How do you think your feminism has changed since we last spoke in 2014? Uh, let me see. What did I say then? Well, my co-host Trisha said to you that it seemed like you had a complicated relationship with feminism. Yeah. And you responded by saying, I'm not the one with a complicated relationship. It's everybody else who has a complicated relationship. Yeah, well, I think it is a complicated relationship. The The main thing you don't want to do is, is be uh, shoved against the wall and told you have to be somebody's muppet. You know, mm-hmm. that you have to have exactly the same views that they have. Uh, but as I said, it is a... It is a big umbrella uh, with many different variations. And um, if we can all agree that, that women are people, we've, we've got a good starting point right there. Uh, mind you that there, there are pluses and minuses to being people. Are there, <laughs> are there not? <laughs> yeah, there are. Oh. All, the, all the bad things that d- people do to people are done by people. So you don't get off the hook uh, from the bad things that people do because you're a woman. Right. Right. Uh, All that range of behaviors is also available to you, although you're less likely to do some of it than people who are not women are. Margaret, I would love to pick your brain about feminism for the rest of the day and forever. But one thing we like to do on Nerdette is talk to well-known people about their little-known obsessions. My little-known obsessions. And you sent over a pretty good list. What did I write on it? You wrote, my favorite was, you wrote Blade Runner 2049, even though I haven't seen it yet. Yeah, that's right. I haven't seen it yet. And I would like to talk to you for a few minutes about the original Blade Runner, which came out in 1982, and I actually had never seen it. You'd never seen Blade Runner number one? I did not watch many movies as a kid. I grew up in Alaska, and my dad did not believe in movies as being productive time. So I finally watched Blade Runner on Monday evening in preparation for our conversation. And? What did you think? I, you know, you might, <laughs> this might uh, lower your estimation of me as a human being, but I was really affected by the appearance of young Harrison Ford. That was my, <laughs> that was my oh. profound takeaway. <laughs> it's like, wow, he looked really nice, that Harrison. He was. I mean, it was a beautiful, I was really impressed with how visually impressive it was, given the fact that it was made almost... 35, more than 35 years ago. Yeah, it was it was noteworthy for its style, for sure. Yeah, it was it was very impressive and kind of confusing. And I also watched Westworld okay. pretty intensely last year. And it was interesting to see. I mean, obviously, this movie has had so much influence on so much other science fiction and speculative fiction stuff that has been made since. Exactly. So what do you like about it so much? Uh, well, I think, remember Rutger Hoyer? Mm-hmm. 
He plays the replicant who dies on the rooftop with the rain running down his face. Mm -hmm. Wasn't that a great piece of acting? Yes, and that line about, what is it, tears tears disappearing in the rain? Yes. I've seen things you people wouldn't believe. (laughs) Attack ships on fire off the shoulder of Orion. I watched sea beams glitter in the dark near the Tenhauser Gate. All those moments will be lost in time like tears in rain time to die yeah that was one of those lines actually where I was like I am sure I have seen this referenced somewhere yeah I'm sure you have so now I have to see number two, which people say isn't bad. Yeah, I've heard it's long. <laughs> well, I'm up for long. <laughs> I can do long. Do you have high hopes for it? Oh, it's better not to have high hopes for yes. anything, and then you can be ha- happily surprised. Absolutely. So it takes place 30 years after the original film, I believe. It takes place in another piece of the non-existent future. Ooh, I love that. How much time do you spend thinking about the non-existent future? Well, quite a bit, because, of course, you would like the non-existent future to come out in a better way than it appears to be going to. How much does thinking about the non-existent future make you think about all the work that needs to be done right now? Well, it makes me think about it quite a bit, but, of course, it is going to be something that your generation will be thinking about more because you are going to be in the non-existent future for longer than I am. Yeah. Yeah, she says. (laughs) Rolling up her sleeves. (laughs) Well, more like taking a deep breath at this point, but I'll get to the sleeve rolling eventually, I'm sure. Coming up, Margaret Atwood gives homework. It may or may not include saving the world, which, like, no big deal. Okay. Save the feminist. Save the world. Yes. And now, homework. There is, by the way, a very good film that would interest you called A Better Man. Hmm. And you should get A Better Man onto the Nerdette podcast. (laughs) What's it about? Well, it is made by a woman who, when she was in her teens, uh, lived with a boyfriend who beat her up all the time. And she ended up running for her life, like literally, run, run, run. Oh, my God. And get this, was rescued by a truck driver. And she was running along the street being pursued by this guy. Years later, she bumps into him on the street. Same guy. The the guy who beat her? Yeah. Oh, he too was only a teenager at the time. Hmm. And she enters into a conversation with him. And it turns out that he doesn't remember a lot of it. Wow. And she says, would he be open to being in a documentary in which they explore what happened and why it happened? Oh, my God. And miraculously, he says yes. (laughs) 
Huh. So, so her point of view is we need to talk to the people who do these kinds of things and find out why they do them, like in their own minds. What are they doing? So that's what the documentary is about. And uh, she uh, was pretty courageous to make it. He was pretty courageous to make it. Uh, we, we, we gather but are not told that he had some abuse in his uh. own childhood past. Uh, and this, this movie is making considerable waves because it's an unusual approach. Absolutely. And guess who is one of the producers? Who? Sarah Pauly. Oh, who, who just also produced the <laughs> did Alias Grace. The Alias Grace. Alias Grace is on Netflix now, and that documentary Margaret wants us to watch is called A Better Man. And Margaret has one more piece of homework for Greta. I like to do what you tell me, so. Oh, good. Is that a carte blanche? (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. You know how to get in touch. (laughs) How about this? Save the world. (laughs) (laughs) No big deal. I'm on it, Margaret. (laughs) Thank you very much for taking the time. It was an absolute pleasure to speak with you. My pleasure, too. Thanks again to Margaret Atwood. We will do our best to save the world. We will, of course, need all of your help in doing so. Yeah, I think that's on all of us. Okay, guys? Yeah. Come on. Collective action. I'm not accepting this responsibility alone. I will help. (laughs) And my axe. (laughs) What? The show is produced by us. What's that a reference to? Oh, my God. That's a Lord of the Rings reference. Oh. You're fired. Whatever. I read the book. Get out. Continue with the credits. This show is produced by us, Trisha Bobita and Greta Johnson, who apparently hasn't seen the Lord uh, of the Rings I movies. I saw them. It was just a long time ago. Along with Justin Bull, who by a nod is going to let me know if he's seen. Yes, he yeah, has seen okay. the Lord of the Rings yeah, movies. Everybody's seen the Lord of the Rings movies. Yeah, well, you're fired. Our executive producer is Brendan Banaszak. He probably has seen Lord of the Rings. I think it's fair to assume also that B. Aldrich has too. Yeah, and she's our intern. <laughs> That's a criteria for internships here. Have you seen, have the, Lord you seen the, the Lord movies? of the Rings? But only the Nerdette internships. Yes. subscribe to us on apple Podcasts. follow us on npr one or listen in the wbez app it's also super helpful if you leave us a nice review on apple podcasts like mer lauren and one two three three four five four three two three three did many thanks to both of you for the review mer lauren (laughs) yeah what do do you gotta say about mer lauren like a mer person yeah but a a lauren a mer a mer lauren (laughs) i really hope if you're a mer person Please let us know because Mer Prince JV is one of our favorite Mer people. Mm, We're always looking for new Mer friends. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Mer buddies, Mer pals, Mer pals. <laughs> Mer Lauren, if you are a Mer person, please let us know on Twitter. We are at Nerdette Podcast. We are also on Instagram, Facebook. We are Nerdette Podcast on all the internets. Our theme music is by Poddington Bear. Do your homework. Do your homework. You have my soul. And you have my bow. And my axe. Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max. And listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts.